0: In brightest day, in blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. That those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's light. Pretty cool,
1: huh? Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bolkman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is The Lantern Cast. Episode 205. Uh, that's right. Uh, something you've been waiting to do for a long, long time. Is that right?
2: Yes, this is one. Of, this is definitely an issue that's one of my favorites, so I'm glad we finally get a chance to do it.
1: Well, then uh, take the lead, man. Go ahead. Tell people what we're doing and introduce our special guest.
2: Well, the issue we're going to be doing is the one-shot, the Green Lantern-Silver Surfer crossover, Unholy Alliances. And it's a very cool issue between Green Lantern, Thanos, Silver Surfer, Parallax, and a few other guests... Guests along the way, so and our, because we're doing this, our special guest is none other than Daryl Banks, one of our one of our favorite artists and friends of the Lantern Cast. How are you, Daryl?
3: I'm doing great. How are you guys doing?
1: We're doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Uh, pretty excited to cover this uh, because this is this is not just one of Mark's favorite issues. This is your favorite issue, isn't it? From your past work? Yes, it is. Nice, uh, awesome. So there's a we're chock a block of excitement. So uh, Mark, do you want to do you want to go ahead and take a, the issue review? You know it by heart. So do you need to open the issue to even tell us what's happening?
2: <laughs> to to do it justice, I think I do. <laughs> as I was as I was flipping through it last night and a few minutes ago to reflip through it, yeah, it's pretty much everything I remembered. But still, there it's it's worth going through it as in in a little more detail than just off the top of my head, but. Uh-huh. So it's like I said it's Green Lantern Silver Surfer Unholy Alliances. Let me read the back cover cuz it's kind of important setting the stage for what's going to happen in this issue. Uh, Green Lantern, he possesses the most powerful weapon in the universe. Thanos, a treacherous villain who would destroy the universe to appease death. Silver Surfer, soaring the universe, he wields the power cosmic. And Parallax, once a he- once a hero, striving to set the universe right. No matter the cost, two heroes, two villains, two unholy alliances.
0: Dun, dun, dun. dun!
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, awesome. <laughs> well, go ahead, Mark. Take it.
2: All righty. All right. So we begin, in, we begin in space and we find out quickly that it's the Silver Surfer giving narration about such destruction, vast and obscene. He's wondering who could have done this. As we come closer to the planet, we see – it almost looks like Superman from behind. We see this figure standing with his big red cape flowing. Then in a few minutes – a few next panel, I should say, the splash page, we kind of see the irony of it looking like Superman because it's actually Cyborg Superman and his or apocalyptic – no pun intended – armor from that he took during the Hunter Prey doomsday to Hunter – doomsday superman miniseries that's when he became this version of the cyborg superman so cyborg superman we find out for some reason has been transported into the marvel universe since he has no clue who the silver surfer is he has no clue why he's there but it hasn't stopped cyborg from destroying this pretty much destroying this planet and the people on it the silver surfer Pretty, he declares who he is. I am the called Silver Surfer. Consider me a protector of the universe, if you wish, and consider that a warning. And that's when Cyborg Superman points out that you know, so this universe as well is populated by self-proclaimed heroes. He says his name is Cyborg. Not Cyborg Superman. I guess I guess he's he's cutting it short these days. I'm Cyborg. Call me Cyborg. <laughs> So he talks about how I'll create War World again, if not on this world, on another. So he attacks, he attacks the Silver Surfer. Silver Surfer says, you know, you've obliterated what I once preserved. These were a peaceful people. I saved their planet from the hunger of the power, all-powerful Galactus when I was his herald. Of course, Galactus, the name means nothing to Cyborg Superman, even though he kind of makes a cute little reference that, hmm, heralds are an all-powerful being, you know, worth remembering. So they clash. Now we cut to New York in the DC universe, where Kyle is working on his little logo for Radu, his coffee shop. And as he's doing that, his, the, the, an explosion occurs, which shatters the window in his uh, apartment. Kyle instinctively uses his, creates a shield with his ring, which is his, you know, his new Green Lantern symbol. He recharges his ring. He flies out to see who is the threat or what's going on. And we see it's Terax the Tamer of course Terax the Tamer knows who Green Lantern is we don't know why yet but he knows who Green Lantern is Kyle has no clue who who uh, Terax is but Terax makes it clear that I was told of you told you were the only obstacle in the way of my conquest of this universe so Terax and Kyle clash we cut back to the Marvel universe where Cyborg Superman continues his battle with the Silver Surfer at this moment a, a Silver Surfer declares you know that you have you have great power, but I command the power cosmic. Cyborg Superman is kind of, I guess he's kind of in a mocking tone, like that this is the extent of your. And before he can finish, power he gets blasted from behind with green energy. We see, and then we see the panel, which re- reveals that it's Parallax, Hal Jordan, Parallax, classic Parallax, who has tracked down Cyborg Superman and makes Cyborg, I found you. We go back to New York, Terax and Kyle continue their little, their little, their little battle. At this point, Terax gets kind of hit from behind as Kyle is getting the worst of the battle. At that moment, uh, Terax gets blasted from behind, and then all of a sudden we see it's Thanos blasting Terax from behind with the little statement, Thank the stars, I've arrived in time. And Kyle thinking to himself, great, another one in the dc universe cyborg and how for a moment cyborg and uh, parallax completely forget the silver surfers there cyborg hal jordan green green lantern somehow you followed me there's very little i can do though now i've taken the name of parallax so, goes, it's time to answer for the millions of lives for coast city it's time to pay use like a like a battering ram head to take out cyborg superman knock him down at this moment silver surfer kind of intervenes he goes nothing happens until i find out who you are and what's going on here you know, S- silver surfer in his narration kind of points out that he would assume parallax is in the right and cyborg superman is in the wrong but he has to get some clarification we have some pretty cool conversation between hal and parallax i mean excuse me between hal and silver surfer Hal says, you know, this doesn't concern you. You don't know what he's done. Silver Surfer points out, it does when a life, any life is threatened. During their little back and forth, Cyborg Superman disappears. That inc- certainly annoys Hal. It goes, kn- considering how long he's tracked him, it's like, I've lost him again because of you. He can be tracked easily enough, if need be. First, I would have my questions answered. Silver Surfer saying this now. You are Hal Jordan called Parallax. I have traveled widely in this universe. Why have I never heard of you? Because I'm not from this universe, Hal says. I come from what you would consider another reality. And that other creature, the cyborg, he's from your reality as well. And Hal kind of gives the abridged version of how he became Parallax. He eradicated the city that was my home, slaughtered its people. I was pursuing him when he was snatched out of our universe. The power I possess allowed me to follow him. And Silver Surfer just automatically follows this up with, you sought out this villain in order that justice might be served. You are a hero then. And then a pretty cool panel, you know, Hal just kind of like stares up looking for a moment before even saying anything at all. And then he says, once, once I was Green Lantern, I wielded a power ring, excuse me, a ring of power and served the guardians of my universe. I always did what was right, but that's the past. All of it ended when the cyborg destroyed Coast City i saw things differently i became this and did some questionable things but for good reasons all i ever wanted was for everything to be right again you can understand that can't you and during this you know hal's you know his soliloquy basically silver surfer feels like that you know a kindred spirit in hal jordan he feels that there's a you know that basically they are you know two birds of a feather now back on uh Back on Earth, in New York, uh, in the DC universe, Terax realized that it's Thanos that blasted him from behind. He goes, you, you sent me here in the first place. You put me up to this. You told me there was a new universe ripe for the conquering. I can't believe I trusted you again. Thanos whispers to himself, frankly, I was surprised as well. You know, he, cl- he, he claps his hands around Terax's axe. He disables him. And then he pretty much sends him back to the Marvel Universe. He go, and Thanos talks to Kyle. I was relieved I was able to get here because before he caused any real harm, especially to you, Kyle, you know, picks up on the conversation that well, certainly about Th- Terax was saying to Thanos. It's like, uh-huh. And all that stuff he was saying about you setting him up, <laughs> the rantings of a lunatic, I assure you. I think that should be fairly obvious from his behavior. Please don't Allow me to introduce myself. I am Thanos.
3: And what comes next is one of my personal favorite parts, the double spread with the origin of the Silver Surfer, which originally was not in the script. Really? <laughs> I uh, I uh, I said, Ron, I don't know oh, if I'll ever get a chance to professionally say I've ever drawn Galactus. This is my one shot. And he goes, Well, it doesn't really have anything to do with the story. I said, Sure it does. You know, we're you know, each character is sort of uh, giving a little. Explanation of who they were in their respective universe, and I guess it was maybe you know it was going to be in uh, just verbal. I said, "Well, I've got to draw it," and he thought about it and thought about it. I said, "Well, I guess that would uh, that would be cool." I said, "Yes, it would. <laughs> I'll prove it to you." So, <laughs>
2: and you did. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that
3: is a, yeah, that is a very that's a, yeah,
2: that's a very good scene.
1: Thanks. I like I like how so, they managed the, the the just chiming in. I like how they managed to. Keep the consistency of the colors, which we'll mention later on, but still make it distinctly a flashback, like without dulling it too much. That was cool.
3: I think about you know looking back, you know, if imagine, I mean, granted, everyone knows chances, chances are anybody that picked this up knows who Galactus is, knows the origin of the Silver Surfer and all that. But you know, I think going with the visual cues that we had, you know, that we did throughout the book, I, I felt that this wasn't just Stuck on, I felt that it really needed it. But then <laughs> I would say that because so I was the one that made a case to put it in there. Because I'm thinking, you know, am I ever going to get to draw Galactus in, in anything Marvel related? And to this day, I haven't. So it was, a, I guess, it was a fun call on my part. But um, I'm thinking there was something else to change. Oh, it wasn't so much uh, not in the script, but we just changed. Originally, the page where Terax is uh, uh, leaping at. Thanos, you know, upset that he's kind of turned on him. Originally, it was I think it was just uh, as he's jumping, Thanos hops out of the chair and just punches him. And I think the uh, my editor was like, eh, that, that that seemed to be more effort than Thanos would put in to taking out Terrax. You know, he just you know just does that samurai catch the blade in midair and just shocks him, and that's it. You know, just very dismissive, not you know having to actually engage him in battle per se. And I think I even penciled it. Originally, you know, the way it was at first,
2: but you know, we all agree this how this came
1: out was much more visually interesting. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a nice page, and it's a very and it's a very nice, a very succinct way of you know visually, besides you know the narration that the Silver Surfer is giving, just a a very n- nice and subtle or uh, succinct way of him relaying to Hal, pretty much you know his story of you know. Almost like his thankless task, or how of why he's in the position that he's in, and how they obviously why they feel certainly the Silver Surfer feels that they are you know two sides of a coin here that they belong together in a way. Right. So as the panel that Daryl just talked about, that was you know, Silver Surfer uh, is, tells how about his origins and how he came to be about serving Galactus. He makes the point about you know you know I guess a. He supposed, I suppose we both have, we both pay the price for our f- the failures of our past. Hal po- makes the, realizes that true, sure, but we we be sacrificed bits of ourselves. And he says, you know, I've always lacked the power to finish the job of, you know, relating to Zero Hour and other things. But think of what we could do together if our powers were tooled. Think to make everything right. On Earth, Thanos continues. Now, you know, Hal, I mean, excuse me, Kyle's sitting in a, ch- in a green, a chair listening to thanos as they're trying to figure out what you know he's trying to really ma- trying to figure out what to make of thanos and thanos points out or announces why he's really there you know reality is a fragile thing and must be safeguarded against those who would ascend to godhood kind of funny coming from thanos as we know but kyle doesn't believe me i know you know d- kyle asks what the threat is a man at least he was a man's once i believe you know him his name is hal jordan Hal, meanwhile, in the Silver Surfer, uh, he continues to tempt the Silver Surfer to join with him. It's it's like, at the same time, Thanos is continuing to uh, try to do his selling job to Kyle, saying that, yeah, I I basically, I've constructed a weapon to stop Hal Jordan, but I need your ring because your ring is the only thing that can gather the energy from it. And at this point, we see a very, very nice page of cut between panels of Hal talking to Silver Surfer kyle talking to thanos in which they're basically their alliances are both sealed that kyle agrees to help thanos silver surfer agrees to help parallax parallax takes silver surfer's hand he absorbs the paracosmic he recreates the world that the cyborg superman had just destroyed and this is actually this is one of my if it's not my favorite page in the book it certainly ranks right up there when Hal and the Silver Surfer go back down to the surface of this planet where you see it's rebuilt and everyone and all the beings that were killed were, are alive again and the Silver Surfer narrates that uh, perhaps the sins of the past truly can be erased i can be redeemed my failures expunged it's within our scope to ease the suffering of two universes and it all seems without consequence and the, and while in between the narration Kyle, uh, Hal and the so- Silver Surfer are talking and Hal goes, you know, you see, together we can tailor history itself if we choose to. It's so simple. They should have listened to me before when I offer them this chance. It doesn't matter now, though. This is only the beginning, and this time they can't stop me. And I just love that look of, not, I would, wouldn't necessarily say it's pure evil, but it's just that completely obsessed, completely dedicated look to his task that Hal has with the power cosmic kind of hovering around him and, Blowing off his
3: hair,
1: extremely resolute determination. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and also,
3: it's an expression he made while his back was to the Silver Surfer, because I think the Silver Surfer was seeing him say that with that, you know, with that particular expression, like, ah, should I trust this guy?
1: I don't know. <laughs> Silver Surfer is yeah, so that's... naive. It's hilarious to me sometimes when I read stories with him in it. How naive! Noble begin... <laughs> Chad, noble, not naive. Noble. <laughs> okay, okay, whatever. <laughs>
2: it's like captain america to that extent it's like you just don't think the worst of people and that but yes that's that's that that was a good point too the fact that we see it from our perspective the look on his face but the silver but silver surfer has no way of knowing that you know how's a man in a mission and where that mission may not necessarily take them where silver surfer thought it would and then we cut back to kyle and thanos in a beautiful two-page splash page and we find out that oh, that where Thanos has really wanted to bring Kyle all along is to Oa. And we see the ambient energy of what was Oa before Kyle destroyed it. And basically, this is when we first get the first inkling that Thanos' master plan is to harness the power of Oa using Kyle's ring. And the splash page is very nicely drawn. And I believe, Daryl, I think you have some interesting or a nice little anecdote to go along with this some comments about what inspired you to something that people basically may have missed in this or may have may not have thought twice about. So take it away, Daryl.
3: I was good that. People can pick up on it visually, but the uh, that huge, curvy looking antenna is actually taking design cues from the Ultimate Nullifier. Hmm. So it's like, uh, you know, that's part of what Thanos used to, well, it's not actually the ultimate nullifier. It's more like, imagine whatever technology went into it, he, you know, has something very similar, you know, with his device that he used to channel the powers of, well, what was Oa. And uh, I, it's not something that was it was actually part of the story. I think, I can't remember if that was in the script or not. It, it may have been, it may have been something that Ron threw out as a, Know, as a possibility, as just as a design cue, like, you know, because of the, the purpose of that big construct. One thing I, I didn't think about at the time, I often forget this, is that, you know, of course, you, you're aware that Thanos was uh, inspired, Jim Starlin was inspired by uh, Metron, of the new gods. Right. Which is, you know, why he lives floating around on that chair, just like Metron did. But his editor... You know, said, it, it was like, well, if you're going to, you know, imitate a DC character, don't make it on Metron. Use the bigger guy, you know, the dark side. That's why, you know, uh, if you've ever seen the first uh, concept art of, of Thanos, he was a lot thinner because he was more inspired by Metron. And, and then the dark side influence came shortly thereafter. Chief. But, you know, I don't I don't think I knew that back when I did this. I wonder if I would have had some kind of new gods, uh, you know, a uh, little nod or Easter egg in there. But I don't... I, Back when I did this, I, I don't think I was aware of that.
1: He he, he first appeared in uh Warlock series, right?
3: Who? Uh, Thanos? yeah, Thanos was it? In... Believe it or not, Thanos' first appearance was in Iron Man. Oh wow! His first uh, appearance was in an issue of Iron Man. I, that was one of those things where I saw that somewhere, maybe on Comic Vine or something like. Is that right? And I went and looked up. Like, it sure is.
0: Hmm.
3: Um, I think. Do you remember it was a classic uh, Iron Man issue where he's fighting the. The Blood Brothers—these two vamp, these big hulking brown and blue uh, alien vampires—like, well, as I say that, boy, that sounds so geeky. Two big <laughs> brown and blue vampires that you know that that only Starlin could pull off. Because when he did, when he drew them, they were really cool. But mm. anyway, I think Thanos was giving you know giving them orders you know in that in that particular issue, but. You know, never, never knowing that you know what a big deal that that character would go on to be.
1: Yeah, I've got a, I've got a full trade of uh, the first few issues of Warlock, and uh, yeah, Starlin can do no wrong. <laughs>
2: yeah, it looks like Iron Man fifty five, I think it was. Okay, mm. that's pretty cool. But yes, obviously, like what you were saying, Chad, most people do remember him from that, from the first interaction with Warlock and everything on his way to become Magus and all this. Yes, that's the. Yeah, that's that's when I first remember reading Thanos too back in, back during when they were reprinting those. That was pretty. Yeah, that's that that's that's cool.
1: great Marvel cosmic right there. Yep. Sure. <clears throat> Go ahead, Mark.
2: No problem. So Kyle Kyle puts his ring into the basically the mechanism of the of the weaponry as designed by Thanos to start pulling in the Owen energy. As he does, how reacts to it in the in the uh, Marvel universe. He figures out what he can sense almost immediately what's going on. Someone is tampering with the structure of of the universe, of both universes. Silver Surfer, meanwhile, has been greatly depowered since Hal took so much of his power cosmic that during the latter stages of this uh, story, the Silver Surfer is just slowly recharging his batteries. Uh, Hal says, A power of this magnitude, the destruction could be unimaginable. We have to stop what's ever happening. I can guide us if you can take us there. Silver Surfer goes with all the speed I can muster. During we cut we got back, excuse me, cut back to Thanos and Kyle, where Thanos pretty much uh, cuts to the chase and makes Kyle realize that he's been played that he's been played, that the whole point of this is to get, to get enough power so he could, you know, destroy everything so he, he can be take his place by his beloved Lady Death's side. He now has the power to destroy everything. Thanos absolutely says, "You are a pawn to me. I plucked you a being from your universe." To test the rift, which was Cyborg Superman, then sent that fool Terax to test you. You've served your purpose, boy. Give Lady Death my. And as he fin- says regards, the Silver Surfer and Parallax show up.
1: Krakoum! Boy!
2: <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Kyle, I mean, Hal says that, he, you know, this is. Kyle is basically his successor as Green Lantern. I thought he was a hero, but if he's aligned with Thanos, maybe I was wrong. You go. He points out the tha- he says the Thanos has OS power, so you pretty much should leave him to me. Silver Surfer says, "Okay, then Green Lantern is mine." <laughs> and Kyle's like, "Wait, I was just..." He goes, you know, <laughs> "Sometimes there's just no talking to people." With a great splash page and him and the Silver Surfer squaring off. <laughs> That's a great scene, though, Daryl. Thank you,
3: thank you. I, I had great fun doing that. Of
2: course, it's very powerful. I mean, even 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 if even if that little. Finishing Kyle's uh, blurb, even if that wasn't on that page, just a picture of them squaring off would be great just by itself.
1: It's so great! It's our header image on Twitter. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's uh, it, I I I it was kind of like a way to tease some listeners that it would be coming in the future. I I do oh. I do that sometimes. I put like little images up. Just some people catch it, others don't. <laughs> you
3: know, I think I did see that. I think I did see
1: that. Yeah. Yeah. I do that every now and then. I. I, I, I reveal enough on Facebook and Twitter outright, but I figure every now and then i got to be subtle about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a little teaser here and there. That's right. So Hal, uh, Hal confronts Thanos, but of course Thanos knows who Hal is. He goes, Hal Jordan, parallax, I know why you are here. Hal has no idea who Thanos is, and he goes, but, so he just asks him, like, why are you here? Why collect Oa's energy? In order to destroy everything that exists. And this is probably, if, if that other page wasn't my favorite page, this one is. Just when this little exchange of dialogue before they clash. And Hal goes, after Thanos says he has the power to destroy everything, Hal goes, and I finally have enough power to recreate it. Our goals, it would seem, are at odds. So it would seem. Doom. And then they
3: clash. <laughs> Doom.
1: <laughs> Dr. Doom makes an appearance in verbal name only. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well, a lot of these sound effects. Well, you know, Chris Iliopoulos Eli- was our letter, and uh, there's uh, what the. Uh, let's see, we'll go back a couple pages where uh, Kyle is using the green energy into Thanos's mechanism, that big Green Lantern symbol with that, you know, shroom sound effect. The 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 idea behind that was we were all big fans of of Simon's Run on Thor. You know, he had those big sound effects that. You know what I mean? Artistically, right? And we—it's like <laughs> anytime we could. We, it's almost like we felt like that. The Simonson uh, approach gives a certain epic scale to things. Like even with uh, when when uh, the Silver Surfer and Parallax are, are meeting up with with Kyle and Thanos, those uh, orb black shapes going in perspective. I, I think I, I think I totally saw that once by uh, assignments and I thought yeah that, that belongs in the background of this panel you know just something big and epic is happening
1: you know? <laughs> awesome
3: um, that's cool
2: Kyle and uh, Kyle and the Silver Surfer uh, continue to to fight even though uh, Kyle's just trying to get a moment to talk to explain what's going on because now Kyle realizes what he's done and he feels like crap to begin with but he's really not getting an opportunity to uh, explain what's going on Silver Surfer just seems is like you've given a madman ultimate power. The time for discussion is long gone. Uh, to himself, the Silver Surfer is thinking, though Green Lantern's ring allowed him, to, or allows him, to create virtually anything. Weakened as I am, my chances of over- overcoming such a weapon are slim. Hal and Thanos uh, continue their confrontation. Hal. The typical how as parallax battle cry that I can make it right. There's nothing I can't accomplish with the with the surfer's power. I can create the universe all over again in my image, beginning with Oa. So he recreates Oa. Thanos destroys Oa. Poor Oa. <laughs> Following, setting up a nice little pattern here that goes on.
1: Oa, Oa is, lives. Oa dies. Oa lives. Oa dies. Mogo lives. Mogo dies. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Let's call the whole thing off.
1: Oh, then it's like little,
2: Yeah, it's like, but it just sets it sets up the. Uh, I mean, it's just in a microcosm of what, like the like the dialogue a few pages earlier. Just the fact that Hal sees himself as the ultimate creator now, and Thanos is the ultimate destroyer. So it's basically which one's going to win out. You know, I'm
1: just not realizing lanterns don't have a really good history with planets and keeping them, you know, around.
2: <laughs> that is true i won't I'm going to try to remember this on my own, but try to prompt me in case I forget because because now that you said that there is one an interesting tidbit that does com, kind of come out of this issue related to the, to the destruction and creation so Thanos Thanos uh after he destroys oh uh how points out you know no, this is a day of creation, not destruction. all I need is the willpower. I only have to think and it becomes reality. coast City's resurrection has always driven me, no, it lives again, and I just love that that image of Hal, like almost an ecstasy as he recreates Coast City. <laughs> uh,
3: oh, happy day. That was oh, bad. happy That's day, day for like a wanted. panel,
2: like a page. <laughs>
3: yeah, then yeah, it's gone again.
2: That's right. Um, finally, uh, finally Kyle starts making a little bit of headway into making a, uh, Silver Surfer realize what's going on. It's like, hey, we, we both we've kind of both have been suckered into this. You know, I've I've gone through this with Hal before. I mean I know he thinks he's doing what's right, but he's blind to like what he's doing. <laughs> and I like this. And Thanos is just nuts. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that a, up well. that's a great live part. And Thanos is just nuts. He suckered me into giving him all his energy. <laughs> uh, so at this point now Kyle and Kyle and the Silver Surfer realize they have to team up to to uh, kind of to amend and (laughs) make up for their mistakes. Hal and Thanos are literally duking it out, and of course, sadly at this point, Thanos starts destroying Coast City all over again. (laughs) He goes, "Madman, the only thing to be destroyed today is you. By all means, try to kill me. Send me to my lady's side." And now, Silver Surfer and Kyle enter the fray. Taking out their uh, respective—what's the best way to describe it? (laughs) They're their their respective puppet masters, if you will. Thanos gets taken out by Kyle. Silver Surfer tackles Hal, though he just again he approaches Hal in a much more kind fashion, since Hal certainly is the lesser of two evils, even on the worst day possible here. (laughs) It's like Silver Surfer goes to Hal, you know, after. Kyle tried to make it to Why are you doing this? I'm only trying to do what's right. And he goes, you're not. Your your obsession has unbalanced you, and I should have seen it sooner. You need help. Thanos comes bursting through. It's like, no one will deny me. Now that the ultimate power is mine, and and this is a pretty cool Kyle moment, he goes, no, it's mine, because the ring's mine. It's the most powerful weapon in the universe, Thanos. Not sure if I believed that before, but you proved it to me. And if it can destroy two universes, it can save them as well. You took Power you both took power. I'm taking it back, and Kyle begins to use his power ring to absorb and take energy away from Thanos and from Hal, and he continues to do that, but he but we get to the point where Kyle really can't contain the energy anymore, that he has no confidence he can do it. The silver surfer tells Kyle, give it to me, even no matter what, I have the best chance of being able to contain it and do something with it. Reluctantly, Kyle agrees, and he starts feeding the power back into s- the Silver Surfer, who gets super amped up and super pumped up. You see the Silver Surfer's willpower as he's able to take all this energy, and he's able to control it. <laughs> nice little scene of uh, <laughs> Kyle making t- two hot babes to help <laughs> the Silver Surfer out. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is a surfer, dude. See. That's right, he is a surfer, so so it is <laughs> so it is appropriate. It's like... I feel recharged. <laughs> it's like such irony. I thought I found the kindred soul in Hal Jordan, but I have a far more. In, I have far more in common with you, Kyle Rayner. You're a savior. You're a hero. He goes. Me? Well, um. Thanks. I'm trying. <laughs> At that point, the rift kind of opens. Supposedly opens up on its own to basically correct its own mistakes or heal itself. It sends Thanos back to the. Into his universe, Parallax, back into his. Uh, while the rift is open, the Silver Surfer is going to go back through it himself to make sure that you know, he, he needs to get back to where he belongs. And he says, well, you know, perhaps we'll meet again one day. And Kyle, he, he's trying to, he's asking his name. It's like, "Ah, eh, meet again? Oh, yeah, like that's really going to happen. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: little, Little do they know. And Kyle returns to New York, and we see an interesting cardboard box in an alley which starts to glow and energy shooting out of it which of course will factor we will see more of this box as we get into the dc this marvel versus dc, DC crossover and access and everything that everything that was cooler in the 90s with these crossovers that we're just not getting these days
3: <laughs> no and, and unfortunately we we won't uh, I hate to say never never say never but it's looking less and less likely as you know as these mega corporations are are so uh uh, let's see. How, how, what's a polite way? But they're possessive of their individual franchises. How about uh, that's about as nice as I could put it. That
2: was nice, but, very uh, nicely put.
3: <laughs>
1: There's not enough money <laughs> oh, in it for them, Daryl. <laughs> Forget fun. It's not enough money for them to do it.
3: <laughs> Actually, there could be, but uh, that's, that's another topic. But one <laughs> thing I wanted to interject real quick: the uh, towards the end, uh, the page where Kyle is absorbing all the energy and then he gives it to the Silver Surfer. Actually, I had a, an artist by uh, by the ever-talented Howard Porter because uh, as we're getting towards the end, the deadline was looming over my head as the proverbial sword of Damocles. And uh, <laughs> you know, he and I, we, we talked a lot, and uh, so he uh, he gave me a hand with some thumbnails and some layouts uh, for those two pages to kind of speed me along. I just wanted to throw that bit of trivia in there.
1: Mm, good. Let me ask, because uh, one of the things that, I mean, obviously, we love your art, like always, but one of the things that really popped out to me, have you have you ever, uh, during your Green Lantern run, worked with the uh, International House of Colors here? Because this is, like, I don't know, the, the colors, like, really pop. Is it because it's prestige format, or is it just the different color? I don't know. It just seems to really, I don't know, pop compared to other ones.
3: Well, the company was called Digital Chameleon, mm-hmm. and I think, I you know, if, if I'm remembering this correctly, I thought they did a lot of image stuff. I I, I certainly haven't had a color like this. Um, I don't really not much before or since, and I've had some good colors. Not to say that I haven't, but I think about the uh, the page page twenty four with Kyle and Silver Surfer. It's like a you know like a split splash where all the shading. They put on the silver surfer, silver muscle and all that, you know. I mean, keep in mind, you know, for a DC book, that was unusual, you know. I mean, granted, this is prestige format, but for me, I mean, I'd never been colored like that before, you know. And I was like, oh, wow, that's that's pretty.
1: Yeah, for sure.
3: (laughs) And, you know, we had shiny, you know, shiny paper and and the whole nine. So, you know, like I said, a lot of artists are used to that, but I wasn't, you know. It it was a, this was a, a treat just top to bottom, you know.
1: Right. I got one of the things, it, it, the of the DC Marvel crossover prestige things like this. This was the first one, right?
3: Uh, a part of me thinks the John Byrne Silver Surfer goes to Apocalypse and faces Dark Side might have preceded that one. Okay. And if it did, it wasn't, it, you know, it wasn't by much. Right. Uh, I had to think about that. Which was first? I'm I'm thinking this uh, Green Lantern Silver Surfer was second. Okay. If I'm, if I'm remembering that right,
1: Who's I but
3: put it this way: when we did it, we didn't know about the overall company-wide crossover. Okay, it was it was okay. sort of like, you know, it was just planned like you know some, a series of one shots. But the whole thing with with all access and all that, now we they they kept you and us in the dark about that hmm. because there were certain things that I I would throw out like, well, wouldn't it be cool if you know, since we're combining both universes, why don't we show this and show that? And my editor was like, "Well, we can't put that in there." And there's there, there's reasons I can't tell you right now. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, well, I just think it would be cool. Now I remember, uh, what, even when Ron was still writing the script, just things I wanted to see. Uh, now it it didn't get covered. However, we saw it in George Perez's uh, JLA Avengers. Uh, yeah, I wanted to see like, well,
0: what if the universes
3: get smooshed and we we'll see some Justice League members in the Avengers and vice versa. And you know we got that, and I, I thought, okay, yeah, that that, it would, that made sense in our story. But I'm glad that I I did get to see that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this was a, it was definitely a work in progress, and I'm I'm glad to, to have been a part of you know some of the the early stages of that great crossover, which we may or may not never see again. But let's be honest, I, I it's not looking real likely.
1: <laughs> did you when when you got to that final page was that was that final page like scripted? Right, right before it went to press, or something, or, or would, did it happen altogether? And you're like, ah, oh, I kind of see they're setting something up here, but I don't know what.
3: Oh, I, I definitely got scripts in, in sections. I mean, that's really how Ron writes. It's only once in a while that he have. Well, that's not true. You know, during our run, we got whole scripts, but things like, like this, because he was still writing the main book at the same time. So I got, you know, this special in, in sections. Mm-hmm. You know, he work on the main book then give me a section and you know and then and so the process went so you know i didn't see that till you know pretty much close to when i was getting to that page you know i just thought like well what's the you know what's this light coming from a box and like oh well it's gonna you know the, these will these crossovers will continue and it has something to do with that and i'm like okay now at that point in time i was <laughs> so close to the end um you know, I almost didn't care what it meant. I'm like, just get it done. I mean, I even think it's like, okay, we're on the last page and Kyle's flying away. You know, think of a cool pose, you know, for him to do. I, I couldn't think of anything. I was like, Christopher Reeve, Superman, you know, with the fist stuck out with the one, you know, elbow bent. If you look at it, look at Superman, yep. the movie, and then look at them it's the same pose. That's that's all I thought of it. Uh, oh, man, clock's ticking. Uh, uh, Superman, there, there. that's. It. <laughs> FedEx to copy these in the
1: shipload so. <laughs> What uh what what involvement did uh did Marvel have with it or did, did DC just was your primary contact? I would I would imagine if Marvel had more involvement, it would probably have to do with Ron's side of things. But did they did they approach you or was it like a joint project or was this Jeanette Kahn's idea, Paul Levitt's idea? Like what 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 was happening?
2: Yeah, I was going to ask that, too, just because even when I was flipping through it, I, I don't think when I first, you know, back in the day when I got this, I probably didn't pay much attention to it or how, that when you actually just look at, you know, just look at the covers and everything, pretty much it is a Even though you're using Marvel characters, it's pretty much, you know, your team. It's a DC book for the most part, or exclusively. What
3: they, did was they they split them.
2: That's what I figured because it was be serv-
3: serv- they, This was, I mean, for all intents and purposes, Greenland and Silver Surfer was a DC project. I mean, the paychecks were DC checks. You know, um, it was, you know, I worked with my uh, editor with it. So um, it's more like as as pages came in, you know, I, I understood that Marvel took a look at them, but I didn't, I had no contact with Marvel at all, you know. Now, granted, at the same time, you know, Ron was probably still writing some things for them, and I think that was great that, you know, we had Greenland and Silver Surfer written by someone who's familiar uh, with both characters. You know, he had a run on Silver Surfer and as well as Green Lantern. So that, to me, that really added a sense of, I don't know, legitimacy, for lack of a better term. Um, I mean, it wasn't just, oh, we got this guy that, you know, we, we want to do Green Lantern and Silver Surfer, and he's only familiar with one or the other. But in this case, it was someone who was very familiar with both characters.
0: Right.
3: And so uh, I enjoyed that. So I, I knew that I was going to get, uh, you know, a, a very respectful interpretation of both characters. So it would feel very. It won't. It wouldn't feel one-sided. In other
1: words, what what's is is. is I I asked this of a lot of creators. I don't know if I've even asked. I might have even asked this of you before. What's What's it like, drawing Kyle's creations? Like, is it kind of meta being an artist drawing what an artist is being contracted to Like, for instance, Radu's <laughs> Radu's uh, coffee house little symbol there.
3: Oh, I mean, like, what's what's it like to. To to come up with his ring creations as he's drawing or just in general no
1: just i mean just not not just ring creations but like the stuff he draws as an artist like when when Uh when you were when you were drawing you know uh not just kyle in the in the book but the stuff kyle himself as a character was drawing for whatever Uh project he had on his on his plate at that time did you adjust your style at all and go this is what kyle's style would look like or
3: no not really it probably wasn't time it was it's like, oh, what a coincidence! Kyle Rayner draws a lot like me. You know? <laughs> well, I didn't stop there. I mean, his his workspace was my workspace. I mean, just literally. I think I I just took a step back and just took a couple of visual notes of you know the the window was. I mean, if I could take a photograph of where I used to live when I drew this, it's like, yeah, that this this looks a lot like a certain you know art. Studio in Columbus, Ohio, you know. <laughs> um,
1: including the, uh, yeah, has, the hazardous cargo box.
3: <laughs> I don't know if I had hazardous cargo, but those, those boxes, yeah, the same boxes. The the, the fax machine—that's my fax machine, uh, et, cetera, et cetera, You know that. You know his table was my table. Um, now, granted, I think once we started moving around his apartment, there were some differences, but for the most part, yeah, Kyle Rainer's apartment looked exactly like mine,
2: <laughs> just minus the hazardous. The hazardous material and the uh, power battery,
3: probably. <laughs> uh, well, I'm or thinking, well, not. did I have a power battery? I might, I might have had the, Well, I didn't have Kyle's. But I don't think they had the Kyle one. Think, I'm trying to think. Do I have the Hal Jordan one at that point? Maybe not. Uh, but even those, the file cabinets that the battery is sitting on. Yeah, you know, those, those are my cabinets. because of mine are a <laughs> little bit wider than that. Not quite that narrow. But but, uh, yeah, it's like, yeah, I mean, the, even the stuff in the window sill because I could hardly ever close the blinds because I always had pictures uh, uh I don't know uh, l- l- mail and and action figures in the in the window sill. like, yeah, Kyle has stuff in his windowsill, too, you
2: know? <laughs> I'm sure Chad and I can relate to that too, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man,
2: yeah, the art in this book is just so good, yeah, it really is, like I guess i i I do think this is. I do think this is my absolute favorite, certainly my favorite issue on during your run. And uh, this is my f- favorite, par- you know, certainly with Parallax involved. I think, I mean, I think Kyle looks great in this issue. It has some of the most memorable scenes in my mind when I think of Hal as Parallax. I think a lot of the scenes from this issue, especially with him and the Silver Surfer.
0: Mm.
2: And I just love that standoff with Thanos. It's like, it would seem, it would seem our goals would be at, a, at odds. I just love that. <laughs>
3: Well, I mean, it's, yes. it's a, as a fan, as a as a as a kid growing up on Marvel, seeing a character that I designed and Kyle Rayner meeting the Silver Surfer, it's like I'm meeting them. You, you know what I mean? It's like right. something that came from me meeting these classic Kirby and Starlin characters. It's like me meeting them, and it was, you know, that just added to it. You know, yeah.
1: Mark, you kept talking about some of the panels that you like. I, I didn't say it while you're recapping, but one of my favorite panels. Or actually, my favorite panel is when Parallax first shows up and says, "Cyborg, I found you." Yeah, I like that. that that's yes. that's pretty epic. That's pretty epic. Looking in the the ridiculously large but epic cape. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's perspective or what, but that's awesome. I mean, it it it's, you know sometimes when you see like for instance, I remember when I was reading Rebirth and Batman's cape for a, the way Van Skyver drew it, I was like, that's just unnecessary. <laughs> Here, here, you're just like he's in space. It's billowing about, and he's awesome. Leave it alone.
3: <laughs> but you could argue that it's it's out of energy, almost like if you've ever seen the Spawn uh, live action movie where the cape was more uh, not so much fabric, but it was you know some manifestation of of energy. And, and really, that's all Parallax's you know outfit and armor really is. So you could you could say that you know maybe it's not uh, you know if it's not if the if the if it's not billowing out like that it, it wouldn't just stop at the floor you know it, it would it would be an extra long you know just like what happens with batman except with batman well it is supposed to be fabric so it kind of doesn't make sense <laughs> but, 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 but parallax it kind of does you know
1: yeah i think there was a panel in rebirth where van skyver made it look like batman's cape was kind of covering the entire justice league
2: <laughs> <laughs> he, he got married in it
3: yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: Speaking of the cape, since we since you are here, you did mention at one point that there was a story behind Parallax getting his cape.
3: Yeah, I mean it, it wasn't it, nothing really particularly detailed. Originally, we didn't envision him with a cape, but uh, when he started to get popular with the company, and then Dan Jurgens wanted to have him uh, be the the, uh, the main thrust behind the uh, Zero Hour, they felt that a, a cape would make it more uh, of a dramatic visual character, you know, especially since he's going to be the mastermind. You know, you, the, well, with the exception of maybe Thanos, but, you know, like a Doctor Doom or a Magneto, you, they have to have the cape, you know, so I'm like, yeah, I can come up with the cape, and, you know, it, it, it just took a moment to do a couple of designs out there, and the, the, the parallax with the cape was born. Now, what's funny is I didn't know about the whole zero-hour thing until it was published. There was a friend of mine that I grew up with, he was like, so what do you feel about uh, Parallax being behind Zero Hour, and I said, "Well, no, X-Tant is the main uh, villain behind Zero Hour. Like, no, X-Tant was was just a puppet, you know." And I, I'm I'm thinking, is he messing with me? Because you know, <laughs> a friend of mine named Brian, uh, we grew up on you know, as kids reading comics, knowing that I would love to, you know, make a big contribution to, you know, some big storyline. So he actually came to my house and and showed me the panel where you know, like it's you know. Uh, Parallax standing over Superman after he had, you know, decked him and all. I'm like, P- Parallax is behind this? What? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this was news to me. You know, I, I didn't know that he was going to be, like, the guy. I just thought that maybe it would be the other way around. He would be working for X-Temp, you know, or, or, or whatever that guy's
2: name was. But How did but you feel so about uh, that? Were you, ha- were, you ha- were you happy that it was, that he, once you found out that he was the big bad were you, were you kinda glad it was that way, not the other way around? I
3: was not I wasn't. I was not I wasn't. And the only reason I wasn't is that it seems like when when a character that nobody cared about, the sales were terrible, you know, the company just thought Hal Jordan was eh and you know, we get our hands on it and then now it's like, Oh well now we want to do stuff with her like for example with uh Final Night, where uh where Hal dies and everyone's yelling at Ron, Oh, I can't believe it, it's bad enough you made him parallax, then you killed him like Ron Mars had zero to do with the death of Hal Jordan. Zero. That was taken out of even the Green Lantern office, because you know characters are handled in offices. You know, in, in their you know various editors and their group editors. It was it was taken out of out of. It wasn't even in their office. You know what I mean? It was more like the hires up said, "Okay, well, we want to make this character do this and that." And I thought, well, you know, the reverse isn't true. We couldn't have like, okay, well, we want to you know kill off Robin in Green Lantern. You know, we wouldn't be able to do that, you know. So I thought it was rotten that they could take a Green Lantern character and and kill him off, you know. Cuz the original plan, of course, was, you know, how it would become parallax and, and terrible things would happen, and eventually it would come back full circle. He'd go back to being the hero we know and love, but except now we've seen the length and breadth of what he's capable of. But then, you know, final night happens and then he dies and it was like, well, <laughs> a lot of what we wanted to do had to be sidetracked you know, we were going to bring back the core and all that you know. but everything happened for a reason I guess but I just thought that was funny that you know, the character that no one wanted to touch now everybody wanted to touch him you know.
2: double edged sword yeah. yeah it's too it was too bad I mean it would have been nice to see concerning like you said it's like they you kind of you kind of had to do what you had to do to you know to make way for Kyle, and then it turned. Then then care, then people actually started caring about Hal. So you could have had an interesting, you know, could have been a very interesting growth period for Hal and how you guys would have reconciled it at the end of the day, given the opportunity. And then of course, like you said, it's kind of t- taken out of your hands. It's like oh, reignite the sun.
1: Yeah, I mean even any, even uh, Emerald uh, Twilight was wasn't strictly the writer's idea, right? It was like Denny O'Neill or somebody. It was it was a joint effort, right?
3: Well, I mean, initially, you know, as as you know, with the death of Superman and all the crossovers, really spiked the sales of everything. You know, DC was like, uh, you know, Green Lantern sales were terrible. I mean, this is I I didn't obviously I would have no way of knowing it. This is what they're telling me when I came on the book, and uh, of course, you know, Ron uh, Mars can give you a much more detailed uh, step by step evolution of how it went from what uh, Gerard Jones was going to do to uh, what eventually happened. But in a nutshell, you know anything that had the death of Superman crossovers, the, the sales spiked. DC wanted to know, well, how can we make Green Lantern sales, you know, stay up like this, you know, all the time? So it's going to take, just like with Superman, it's going to take some some wholesale changes. And you know, in a nutshell, that's what happened, and the sale did come up, and uh, not without controversy. But to this day, the one that shocks me probably the most is that the the amount of letters that uh, came with the death of Kyle Rayner's uh, girlfriend, Alex. I mean, it's not like she was from old continuity and people just have issue after issue with Alex. And I, you know, she was essentially, I mean, uh, from start to finish, she was created to be Uncle Ben to Kyle Rayner's Peter Parker from the very beginning. That was the plan. And for some reason, her character just struck a, a chord with fans because my editor, Kevin Dudley, said at one point they were getting more you know, angry letters over the death of Alex than they did Hal becoming Parallax. And I thought, no way. And he was like, yeah. And I thought, well, maybe a lot of it was because what I I explained this the last time I think I was on the show was that when you, when when Alex was discovered in the refrigerator, when I drew it, you could see her in there. You know, she was intact. But in uh, in some weird, bizarre world attempt to censor it, they they put this fridge door. Kind of covering it, so you couldn't really tell. So to me, that implies she's in there in pieces, and I think that's what probably, you know, made it hit the stratosphere. So um, that definitely didn't help, and it it made it. I mean, she was dead either way you look at it. But to me, dead intact and dead in pieces in a fridge just to me, it's a whole other, whole nother level of horrificness. Is that the
0: word?
3: <laughs> um, and so that probably contributed to the volume of mail.
1: The uh, the the splash page that inspired a women in refrigerators trope. Yeah,
3: yeah, a whole trope. And, uh, and thanks, Gail Simone, for using my artwork on your website. And I'm glad we got a chance to talk about it. No, wait, you didn't talk to me about it. <laughs> so anyway, that's another story. <laughs> Let it all out, Daryl. <laughs> it's okay.
1: We're here for you, man. That's right. <laughs> Gail, Gail hasn't written Green Lantern. She's not coming on this show.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: well, I think the implication was that, you know, it's a bunch of women hating misogynists or whatever, and I'm thinking that's nothing could be further from the truth. <sighs> uh, but, you know, haters gonna hate. That's
1: right. <laughs> that's true. That's right. Tater's gonna tate, too.
3: <laughs> that's not
1: a line <laughs> I've heard people it. say that <laughs> I think it's a cool i think it's a cool line I'll use it <laughs> not day to day but i mean no um no just i think i just i just really enjoyed this particular this particular issue what we we haven't really focused on what about what about your opportunity to draw Thanos what what did you what did you feel about you know you you got silver surfer and big fan of silver surfer but get in your your moment with galactus is i mean i i remember you saying that before that you were really excited about that but what about the the thanos side of things is there anything particular i don't know anecdote or anything you want to talk about when it comes to thanos in particular did you uh you you said you were looking at later stuff uh for reference but uh i mean anything you want to throw out there
3: absolutely well you've been to conventions and you've met you know uh famous Comic
0: people
3: before, right? Yeah, and that's pretty cool, isn't it? Exciting to meet, you know. Okay, I got to meet Stanley or whatever. Well, to me, this is even going to another level. This, I hate to to make this uh, an analogy with stuff, but this is what it felt like to me when I was doing. It. Imagine a famous person, uh, famous people. Let's say three famous people, and they each have a luxury sports car. One says, "Hey, you want to take a ride in my Porsche?" And it's not just a Porsche. This is a famous person's Porsche. And then that's fun. And the other one, hey, here's my Ferrari. You want to ride that? And, you know, and that's Thanos. Oh, this is great. Wait, wait a minute. Why should they have all the fun? Here's my keys to my Lamborghini. It like I said, it's it would be one thing if it was just a Lamborghini, but it's a famous person's Lamborghini. <laughs> you know what I mean? So right. Galact- you know, from Terax to, to Thanos to Galactus, it's like, oh, this is overload. This is amazing, you know. And I get paid to do this. <laughs> I'm almost am for to pass out. You know, yeah, that was that's. Uh, I think you you can clearly see why this is easily one of my favorite you know, favorite uh, project I've ever worked out of my career. Easily.
1: Yeah, for sure. uh I, I relate. Uh, I felt that way when I met Denny O'Neill for the first time. I we we had talked about it. We had talked over uh, Skype and stuff for an interview for an episode before. But it's so cool just to meet the guy in person. Uh, right. He's a big hero of mine. Uh, and, uh, the, I, I remember sitting down for a second interview in person with him and it was just him and Mary Fran right after his wife, Mary Fran, right after, uh, uh, a panel he had done. And we're just sitting alone in this empty, this empty panel room. And I'm like, I am sitting in a room with Denny O'Neill. <laughs> and nobody's here to photograph this or videotape it. I don't know.
3: Pixar didn't happen.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I handed my cell phone to Mary Fran to get her to take a picture. And bless her heart, <laughs> she, she couldn't figure it out for the life of her. So I just said, oh, yeah, you got it. Don't worry. <laughs> so I could let them get back to, get back to their thing.
3: Uh, but yeah, one thing you probably discovered about Denny is considering. I mean, there there are some, uh, you know, comic personalities that that they uh, they're they're famous and they're aware of it. Whereas Denny, I mean, considering the impact he's had on the industry, he's so down to earth. Every uh-huh. time I talk to him, I I'll, I'll have to stop and think, is this Denny? This is the Denny O'Neill, right? <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, that's that's him. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, Denny is a huge hero of mine, another huge hero. I haven't had uh, – off on a tangent, but I don't care. <laughs> I actually – I'm excited about it because uh, Julie Schwartz is a, mm-hmm. a huge hero of mine. And I had his uh, biography or, or whatever you want to call it, uh, Man of Two Worlds, on my Amazon wish list forever. And I was browsing through a half-price books just yesterday and I found a copy of it for three bucks. <laughs> and I'm like stoked to have this biography of one of my heroes. <laughs> I, uh-huh. I may not ever have had a chance to meet Julie Schwartz, but I can read about him.
2: Right. <laughs> it's almost like being there, Chad. It's
1: almost—it's—it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's as close as I'm gonna get. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's—it's it's the same. It's the same way with like with Daryl. Like you—you you worked closely with Denny O'Neill before, right? I mean, so it's—we
3: uh... <laughs> never worked on anything in particular, but just I remember I—I I got a chance to talk with him. Around the time when uh, uh, DC, we were doing a lot of shows and uh, conventions in Chicago, and uh, we we would uh, uh, be at the DC booth together, and I would get a chance to talk with him briefly.
1: Yeah, and he, I don't know if you guys ever notice. You ever see a picture of Denny? he he, he doesn't really smile. He just kind of looks at the camera. <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man, sorry tangent total tangent, but you get me talking it's a
2: about style, man it's a style If you
1: get me talking about one of my heroes, I start freaking out i, I geek out as if Danny O'Neill's in the room <laughs> oh man uh mark uh, this is your favorite issue why i mean we we know we know we've we've heard Daryl you know gush about it a little bit, so what, what about what about you? you've been wanting to cover this for a while, but you know we we haven't really heard from you exactly why you like it so much.
2: Sure, put the pressure on me,
1: Chad. And go. <laughs> Daryl's on gonna. the line. Make it good.
2: <laughs> Thanks. Thanks a lot. I, I, I already feel nervous. No, I don't feel nervous anymore, but I did to start with since Daryl's on the line. It's like, yes. Um, I, I think I like the way Halk – despite the fact that he gets the insane look at his face after getting the paracosmic – I like I like the way Hal comes across on this issue. I like the way he looks. I like the fact that he makes he makes his mission pretty clear. I like the fact that he kind of acknowledges that he's still honest enough with himself, or has gotten to the point where he's well, enough he's honest enough to not just say yes, I'm a hero when pressed by the Silver Surfer. That he kind of has has to hesitate, and then he has to qualify it and say, well, I was a hero once, I was, but not cool. anymore. I then. That he did questionable things, which we know is a questionable way of describing it. <laughs> but he's still acknowledging that. He's still, he's, so he's not entirely oblivious to, to, this, to his sins. I think I like the, like the team-ups, uh, that you end up having two people that you would never think they would were, they were be allied with each other for various reasons. Much more in the Thanos-Kyle case, I think, than the uh, Hal silver surfer case because Hal's does sure. bring more to the. no matter how you slice it Hal is still more of a hero and he does have more he's more has more heroic tendencies even now in this state than thanos would so it would make sense the silver surfer could see that but sure. i like the fact that the alliance you know how you start off with these so-called two unholy alliances and then end up with the one you probably would have figured that you would end up having the two current heroes against the two current bad guys I like Cyborg Superman. I like the fact that this is Hal and Cyborg Superman's first confrontation since the destruction of Coast City, and which of course is just kind of like a, a prologue to what ends up, you know, till they square off in Final Night and the one shot, the Parallax.
1: Mike McCone. Fi-
2: uh, what Mike McCone artwork? Yes, yep. the Emerald right. Emerald Knight. Right. That I just I don't know I just and again a lot of the, a lot of the dialogue I think the. The idea of Hal finally getting enough power, and, and Hal finally getting enough power to do what he wants—at least having, the, if not the most power he's ever had, certainly the most power since Zero Hour, or end, uh, end of Emerald Twilight, beginning of Zero Hour—that mm. he finally has, made, that he finally has the power beto- besides what he has, probably more, since technically he's still a, he still Kyle, Kyle's ring did help him recharge in Green Lantern Zero, so even though he may not have gotten back to full power that he was at the end of Emerald Twilight, he was powerful, and then you add on to the that the power cosmic but just the fact that he finally had that ability and of course which kind of goes back to the thing that i wanted to touch go back to that with all the creation and then destruction that happened in the in this in this one shot the one world that actually does remain intact is the one that hal and the silver surfer recreate That the one that's
1: true
2: the cyborg superman destroys not
1: necessarily that that he i was thinking to myself i was thinking to myself just now they they smash it up pretty good but then they leave. They fly off into space. Uh, is there like a? Is there technically? Could there still be like a recreated, half destroyed coast city floating around in space on an oh, asteroid? Oh yeah.
0: But,
2: <laughs> well, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm thinking about before they got to that point. Oh. But they were back well, in the Marvel they, universe when they when they recreate that planet. Cyborg Superman trashed
1: yeah. that planet.
2: Maybe made once. Attack.
3: Maybe once Hal wasn't focusing on it anymore. It just yeah, maybe it dissipated. Possibly. Uh, I
1: don't know. Maybe. And I I'm I'm assuming I'm assuming that uh, Cyborg Superman got sucked back into his universe when that portal opened up because we don't see him again. Right. So, I'm assuming Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think he just ends up back in the in the DC universe where he belongs.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> if he belongs anywhere, that's where he belongs. Stay
1: on your side of the room, Cyborg Superman. <laughs> right.
3: well, of course, his, now he doesn't even exist. Man, Not the way he should. His role had been fulfilled, you know. We we weren't focused on him anymore. It's like where'd he go? Ah, he's just he's gone.
2: Yeah. <laughs> They'll meet again. We'll okay. meet again.
3: But I I think it just came down to you know you could probably go into detail as to you know where he went, but it, it was he his part of the story had been fulfilled. You know.
1: Yeah, no, I see. This is if I this is the kind of stuff if I was a writer for for DC. I would, especially the way they're going now with the several story arcs and crossing it over with other titles and blah, 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 I would not last long because I would go, do you guys remember that time in Unholy Alliances where Hal created that coast city? Well, what if we have like Hal stumble onto this city and remember, <laughs> no, Chad, <laughs> do this, <laughs> stick with the plan. I'm, but this, we got to bring this back up, guys. <laughs>
3: It wasn't a crossover. Is it? Is it even canon? That's <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> true, especially now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because uh, we know Cyborg Superman isn't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. At least not <laughs> oh, as God. as he was. Yeah, Coast City getting destroyed. Yeah. No, didn't happen, right? That's what the uh, said. I believe so. <sighs> as of now, anyway. Until we find out. Until we find out that it does. Oh God. Or it did. <laughs> oh it's it's a, it's a it's a great issue i mean it's it's mark's uh, you know he's been wanting to do this for a long time uh i i love it just because it's fun i love uh, you know i I've already, we've already talked uh, for sure i love the art i love the colors especially too just uh, the, the the combination of these particular colors in the prestige format with your art daryl awesome but uh it's 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 just fun especially the way you describe not knowing that these dc marvel crossovers would come to something i th- right. i think that kind of in a way shows through i mean even though it's uh, y- y- even though i like, i guess ron knew but
3: well not 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 like you would imagine i mean it was you know we were not left in the dark but a lot of it was just being developed on the fly it wasn't i mean there was a level of secrecy to a certain, to a certain extent but a lot of it was just literally being made up, you know, step by step as, you know, as maybe things were getting negotiated and et cetera.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. See, to me, when you read, when you read this issue, when you read this prestige format, uh, uh volume, uh, as it were, it's just, you, you feel the fun, you feel the, you know, the combination of the creative team going, we don't really know where this is going, but it's awesome. And we're going to make it awesome. <laughs> So
3: yeah, that that was the goal. I mean, and, and then add to the fact that I got to work with Terry Austin. That was um, I don't think he was my regular anchor at that point on the book just yet. But I do rec- <laughs> I do recall and I actually forgot about this when you know that project was announced, and those you know there were those in the know that knew that it was going to come about. I became extremely popular amongst anchors. It, it was. I remember I had to run an errand. I was at a convention once, and this one anchor was like, "Oh, I'll, you know, I'll give you a ride." So, so you know, it was fun. It was kind of like, uh, you know, uh, everyone wanted to, to put their best foot forward because they wanted that gig. Because you know, that was had a lot of pages and it would be a lot of exposure. But you know, we we had pretty much made up our minds. we wanted Terry to, to do it. <laughs> but I just remember being, you know. Like, officially unofficially courted by inkers that, <laughs> that you could tell were hinting at they wanted a, a shot, even though I wasn't the editor, I wasn't the one to make that decision. But maybe they thought if I could put in a good word for them, but huh. That's... nope. We we, we we wanted the icon Mr Austin to do it.
1: Yeah, and it worked well. Uh definitely, for sure. and, and I Mark, would you would you say it's fair to fair to say that when you think of like if somebody says, okay, they're going to give you A, B, and C artists, and you think of example A for you know this person and so on and so forth, is this what you think of when you say – when someone says Daryl Banks artwork?
2: This issue in particular? Yeah. I would say – honestly, I would say this issue and, again, another thing we did not that long ago when we did Parallax View. For some reason, I like a lot of the images in my head when I think of how. Come back to that issue too. Mm-hmm. But I would say this – I would say this issue. This issue probably first and foremost, because to me, there's even more, there's more panels and pages to me that I think are iconic in this, at least to me, in this issue. Like that whole page, would like we talked about before, that whole page when they're on that Silver Surfer and Hal are on the planet that they've rebuilt, and, okay. and Hal's talking about now that you know now I've got the power and they can't stop me. Just, just the way that whole page is drawn, I think that's my that that is just such a beautiful page, and and the whole idea of both these guys kind of seeking redemption for, for their past failures Mm -hmm. that the message behind it, I I kind of always been able to, I always, I certainly at that time in my life felt, you know, I I could really relate to that concept. So I, I kind of that, I think that's one of the things I always liked about Hal when he was parallax that I kind of liked the idea of, uh, the idea of trying to you know, make, make up for your sins, kind of set things right and, and, and redeem yourself in the process. So I think that, so it's a concept I I can relate to. I've always felt like I you know a tie to a close bond with the the general idea of it. Yeah. So in on that one well, page with him and the Silver Surfer, I think just it's just perfectly sums that up.
3: The thing is, I think about uh, the great work that that Jeff Johns work on the character, but that was the one thing I could really couldn't really grasp was by making this the parallax of like an entity that took him over to me it almost absolves him of anything he did wrong. You know, it's like, you know, literally the devil made me do it. And I, I didn't particularly care for that. I like the idea that, you know, how went, he was pushed too far and went too far, but then he realized that and came full circle. You know, I think people have made decisions in their lives that they later regret and, and try to uh you know, to try to make good on it. And so, you know, I, I like I said, nothing but respect for Jeff Johnson's work but I just thought by taking that away from how, like, oh, it was something in up making him do it, it kind of didn't make it. It, 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 would, it definitely wouldn't make Green Lanterns over Surfer make any sense. You know what I mean? It's like, right. well, why would that? Why would that creature want those things? So, you know, like I said, maybe this, this book isn't really considered canon if it ever was, but you know, it certainly wouldn't be now with those thoughts in mind.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree with you, and I, I know Jim, one of the sh- co- former co-hosts of the show. Definitely agrees with he. He didn't like the, the fear bug concept. Um, but I think... I, I do distinctly... I don't know if you remember this, Daryl. Uh, in uh, in Rebirth, there's a point where I guess Parallax or somebody, uh, whether it be the entity inside of him or Spectre or Hal himself, is slowly starting to rebuild Coast City, like streets and street lamps and everything starts showing up. And, okay. and his apartment building shows up. And then later on in the story... Parallax explodes that apartment building, and and this is when the entity inside of him fully wakes up and is taking you know an active role in in control and uh, of how and trying to eliminate the specter, and says something something to the effect of, I've I've lain dormant so long, and I've I've tried to placate you, Hal Jordan, for so long. I think that oh, I, got I think I think that was Jeff's attempt to try and and resolve that in his mind now whether it worked or not for oh, everybody okay. that's that but i i think i remember this i remember that distinctly because i was like i think jeff's trying to say something to some people here because it Par- okay. parallax himself says I've, I've i've been trying to appease you for too long hal jordan and now it's basically my turn to play <laughs> so oh
3: i well see I, I wasn't aware of that i didn't read that so okay yeah. then then it, then it kind of ties it together but yeah uh, I don't know. There's a, there's a part of me that like the way we we had it. Yeah. Was, you
2: know, it I, just, uh... I think the way you had it was better too. Yeah. I think it may. I think I think it makes it's it, the explanation they tried they tried to give. Like you know, the, and I knew you were going to point that out, Chad, because we kind of talked about it not that long ago. I think when we did the uh, I'm trying to remember what episode it was when you mentioned the reconciling the whole power. I know it's when we're talking about. I know it's when we were talking about. Yeah, I think we talked about this when we were doing the, uh, what we mentioned anyway, the Booster Gold episode that tied it into Zero Hour with Hal, when they tried to retcon Hal's approach and his motivation for Zero Hour to be, you know, because he wanted to instill fear, especially in Alan Scott. That he wanted to not prove just prove he was better than Alan Scott, but he wanted him to, you know, feel fear and all this crap that we know was not, had nothing to do with Hal's motivation when he was during, during this time. So I have, I. So not only did that bother me that they have to go back and revisit something and try to, you know, show you another scene to make it seem like, oh, so yes, see, you know, the entity he was working on him then. It just doesn't reconcile with some of the things Hal did, some of the good Hal did. I mean, would Parallax, sure. would Parallax really roll the dice on dying with Hal and staying attached to his soul? In, in the belief that, yes, he may know what the future was, that Hal being able to travel in time to know that Hal was going to eventually be merged with the Spectre. But, I mean... You're still gonna roll the dice and let yourself be be killed, technically be killed and still be a you know. That was kind of a shaky idea anyway, that you're you're a living creature in the entity and you're merging onto somebody's soul or merging into somebody. I guess because it's the soul you can try to get away with it. The fact that yeah, the body dies, you're still attached to the essence, but it seems like a a really sh- shaky way to go. <laughs> so, I don't know. I just don't think a lot of things reconciled and I think the Hal Jordan the the parallax that you and Ron created was a much deeper character. And to, especially if you would have been able to take him where you wanted to go, I think you would have. I think it
3: would have worked too. It just essentially what we're what we're showing was, we looked at why were you know like I said when we came on the book the sales were terrible, why? Because the, the, was there anything wrong with the concept of Green Lantern? No. Well, what was it? I, I think no one cared about Hal Jordan. You know, even though you know, we had the classic, you know, hard traveling heroes of Daniel O'Neill and Neil Adams and, and even the the uh, during the time when Pat Bronner was in the book. But I think those were good runs, but I think people just weren't feeling his character. And I think once we brought in what we what we did with, with Parallax it was to it was to show, yeah, he's a hero but he made a mistake. You know, but then let's also look at the fact that he was pushed too far. You know, he, he always did what the Guardians wanted. And when he when he made a reasonable, a reasonable request and was denied, it was too much. You know, mm. it's like imagine you you're, you work hard for a company, and you uh, you 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 know you've got the the promotion coming, and for no good reason they still deny you. Mm. After a while, you, you just you can't take it anymore. Mm. You know, and so we wanted to show all right, he got pushed too far, but you know he'll realize you know what happened and it'll come full circle, but. You know, it sort of went haywire to a degree. Yeah. But however, still, the main takeaway was people did care about Hal Jordan, to, and they still do to this day. So I I feel that we accomplished that portion of our of our objectives.
1: True. Yeah, I think I think all love to Jeff Johns and stuff because I started reading comics regularly with the Rage of the Red Lanterns Final Crisis special one shot, and I started reading continually from there. That is very firmly entrenched in the. Jeff Johns' era of Green Lantern, so he got me into comics. So that you know, but that being said, I think the fear bug thing kind of took away some personality development from Hal in terms of him, making him. I mean, you want you want to keep Hal, I guess, uh, the the daredevil, the test pilot, the loose cannon. You know, the leaping headfirst into danger before thinking. But I think by pushing him through all this parallax stuff, you don't neuter that, but you kind of give him something to fall back on. You know, like, the last time I did this, this is what happened, you know?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think, are you reading the current stuff right now, Daryl? I know you keep up with some things, but I don't know, are you reading the current stuff? That-
3: Not really, no. Okay.
1: He, he, right now, he's leader of the Green Lantern Corps. Right, okay. As of right now. And I think that some of the decisions he made as the leader of the Green Lantern Corps or even take it a step further even accepting from the Guardians the role of being leader of the Green Lantern Corps I don't think if if how became parallax of his own volition as opposed to the fear bug I don't think the how that went through all the stuff he went through consciously as parallax making these decisions on his own would have accepted a role as a leader of the Green Lantern Corps, or made some of the decisions he made as leader of the Green Lantern Corps. We would see sometimes, you know, when when the shit hit the fan, so to speak, you know, you you would see a how that reacts. A how that, you know, when people die around him, you know, he he you know wakes up and becomes the how we all know and love. But you would see a more subdued how these days. Someone who thinks sometimes and, and, you know, that, that that's a big, that was a big concern. I don't know if you remember, Mark, when we were talking about it is how wouldn't send all, you know, the how I know probably wouldn't send all of these people headlong into danger without first at least thinking about it. Because you know how has got to be conscious of the weight of the entire Green Lantern Corps being on his shoulders and that if a lantern dies, it's on him. And I think that should affect how more than it does now, currently.
0: I agree, yeah. And I, Absolutely. And I
1: think, I think the reason I think that is because I remember this how, you know, I think, I think a how that consciously remembers what he went through as this, as this being, or whatever you want to say, you know, some, some call him a villain or an anti-hero or a cosmic entity or, you know, whatever. I think if you, if, if how consciously made the decisions he made as Parallax, we wouldn't be getting him still going off half-cocked every five seconds. <laughs>
3: Well, but then maybe we would, and I say that with going back to what you were saying, that he was like a daredevil test pilot. Uh, you know, if, if he gave second thought to consequences, I, I don't think he would become a test pilot at all. You know, it's like, well, this this hasn't been tested. This is a prototype. What would happen? What if I crashed in a school? Or you know what I mean? I think there's going to be, in some ways, I, I think that would be why, is, is that sense of caution to the wind and, and knowing that, well, the ring chose this person for a reason, you know, he wouldn't necessarily treat them with with kid gloves. I mean, it's not like he, he wouldn't care. But you know what I mean? I, I think you could make a case even the other way, right? You know, that may, maybe, possibly, he would. You know, for and for that reason. And um, so, I mean, you know, like I said, it's it's hard to it's it's hard to <laughs> to, to paint any of the the Jeff John stories in a negative light because they're so well crafted. Yes. You know, um, but it's just more like I think about just the. The, the foundation of, of what we put together and what we we're trying to do with the character, in it. but you know, I I remember doing a. It may have been, a, been on your show when Ron and I were on together, where he 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 related doing characters for a company like a DC or Marvel, like like uh like having like leasing a car or renting a car. Like yeah, you get the drive, you've got access to it, but ultimately you have to give it back in good condition, you know, in the in proper condition, and that's 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 a really good analogy, you know. Um, we we couldn't do but so much, yeah. and, or if we did a lot, we had to understand that the they that, that own the car can do whatever they want with it since it belongs to them. You know, uh, I think about um, some of the things that happened during Judd Winnick's run that were different than what you know Ron and I had planned, but you know it, it, he was still did things under uh, DC's approval, and therefore you know it's it's every bit as legitimate. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and kind of along the same lines. Just one thing I wanted to mention because this this is this is one of Mark's you know big favorite issues. But everybody else out there listening knows one of my favorite issue uh, storylines rather is when uh, Kyle first becomes Ion. Uh, and I, I there's, there's there's I would be remiss and, and people who know I'm a big fan of that story would I would be a little remiss if I didn't mention how uh, Kyle taking. Uh, it's the energies of thanos parallax and the power cosmic all in one shot <laughs> now he gives it all all to silver surfer but very briefly kyle is at god status basically for for a very short amount of time and there's a lot of times between the start of the the start of uh the start and the end of the kyle rayner run uh both uh before and after he first becomes ion that you get a lot of uh of Kyle at god status, and I, I would be remiss if I didn't point that out
3: <laughs> you considering he this all started with him getting handed a ring you know in a in an alley <laughs> you know to to have that kind of power it was never something that he aspired to or was ever destined to but, yeah. you know it was thrust upon him and, I, and really I think that's why the character still uh, um, is is well regarded to this day is because a lot of people, he was created to be an everyman, and that's, I think that was the appeal. I mean, I yeah. think some of, you know, throughout comics, you know, in different genres, when you have an everyman character, what it does is it puts the reader in that character's position, and so you to help with being able to identify with the yeah. character.
1: I, I, I think. But, I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead.
3: Oh, I'm sorry. Just it's, but then that's not to say that every character has to be that way. I mean, there are certain characters that need to be. The character that, that that can't be you. I mean, it's it's sort of like Captain America, is not an everyman. But then that's why we like him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the, the hero that you aspire to be, and that, really that was the contrast between Kyle and Hal. Hal was was who you aspired to be. Kyle was who you were, and what it would be like if you could learn from someone who's got it together, et cetera.
0: Yeah. You know?
1: and I think I think that that very well sums up why I like Kyle Rayner. And his, his current status, he's the White Lantern, the only White Lantern. And he's at God status. He has the life equation within him. And it's it's the reason I love Kyle Rayner at God status is because he doesn't want it. <laughs> he's, he, he's, he's the guy who, I, I mean, he went through everything he went through from Emerald Twilight to Rebirth. And then Hal comes back on the scene, and one of the first things how as how no longer influenced by specter or parallax or anything how as how one of the things kyle says to how is you know basically i was just a placeholder you know waiting for you know now you're back man you're the real deal and i'm just some kid you know i'm not a hero and and then how looks at him and kind of grins and says what do you think you've been doing all this time (laughs) and you're just like come on kyle we believe in you (laughs) let's
3: let's let's get this going (laughs) he was Rodimus Prime. I I don't know if you're if you're ever into Transformers if you've seen the uh the 80s Transformers movie where uh the matrix of leadership that the Autobots have was going to be passed to Ultra Magnus and you know get stumbled and you know Hot Rod catches it and he becomes you know the optimist but it wasn't meant for him, you know. Yeah. But then we find out that well maybe it was, you know. So, you know, how was I guess essentially was telling Kyle like, "No, you know, you, you you are meant for this. You, you just don't know it. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that speaks to you know it's. I, I feel that comics aren't just entertainment, but also can be inspirational. So that you'll you, those reading it will say, well, I'm I'm destined for great things. You know, the, the reader is feeling you know I, I may come from humble beginnings or what have you, but you know, you'll you wonder about your own capabilities. And I I think that that's comics at their best when they're they're entertainment, but then you you can be inspired. You know, I was certainly inspired by the comics I read growing up, you know.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, I think I think even, not, not even, definitely the stories and definitely the art, but even just comics in general. Like, I, I latch, I latch on to the, you mentioned it earlier, Green Lantern, Green Arrow. Uh, that is one of my pinnacles of comic achievement in my mind. Uh, that's part of the reason Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams are so high up in my mind. Denny O'Neill a little more so than Neil Adams but but uh be that as it may uh, and it's just that, that that's that's a fantastic series and the reason i love that series isn't just because of of the uh the the social importance of the storylines in relation to the time period it's not because of the uh, amazing artwork it's not because of any, it's also because of what it means in, in, in and i'm not even going to get into it because i have a spin-off podcast about it and I'll be getting into it later on, but or I will have already gotten into it by the time people hear this episode. Uh, <laughs> but
0: spoiler alert. Actually post-spoiler alert.
1: But the the reason I like it isn't just the content within the pages. It's the content in relation to not just the time period, but what was happening in comics. It's 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 what this does to say F you to the comics code. It's what it's what this does and impacts the public so drastically that the comics code even goes, yeah, we got to revise things a little bit, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's, it's and I, and I hold that up. You know, I know more about Green Lantern, Green Arrow than I know about some of my favorite novels or movies. And that's, that's because it grabbed me so hard that it was just like, hey, pay attention and don't even, and look past the pages and look at what happened when this was happening. I haven't done that with my favorite. My favorite movie of all time is uh, The Maltese Falcon with Humphrey Bogart. Okay. I don't know crap about the production of that movie or what the casting was like or the stories behind where it was filmed or any of this stuff. All I know is I like this movie above any others. But this Green Lantern, Green Arrow storyline, man, I know the history behind it. I know what was the happening I know what was happening with Green Lantern sales. I know what was happening in the comics industry <laughs> i I started looking into uh into Frederick Wortham and all of this other stuff because of the series so I mean that's that's the power that comics has, regardless of re- it, it could be the content of the story itself that impacts you. It could be just the 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 medium and I think that's I think that's awesome and I think that's that's why we like having people like you on is because. The same way you kind of caught talking about Denny O'Neill. like it's this kind of the same way with you. It's you know this this is Daryl Banks, guys. <laughs> but you know you're just you're just a guy. You 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 you're not you you're not big-headed about it like uh, some people. We won't mention,
3: you know. <laughs> <laughs> we, we won't mention. We we won't mention. But uh, well, mainly because it's not like. Well, I'm pretending to be just a guy I am just a guy <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i I still live in the, in the same city I was born and raised in you know i i could I could see if we're having this conversation I'm on my yacht and I'm you know on, on a stuff on, on a satellite phone on my yacht as they as they put another coat of wax on my Ferrari, maybe <laughs> I might be a little bit different i i might i don't know, but you know
2: <laughs> I have to open another case of champagne hold on guys
0: right right <laughs>
1: Oh man. <laughs> oh. Well, Mark, do you, you have anything else to say about this issue? I mean, it's your it's your baby, man.
2: Chad, man, you're just weighing me down with this
1: pressure. <laughs> hey. Hey, I told you. It's
2: your baby. It's your baby.
1: I think this oh. is the first time I've said it's your baby. Everybody. <laughs> it's my
3: baby.
2: <laughs> it's Darrow's baby. <laughs>
1: That's
3: I'm just babysitting. <laughs> Uh, have you, I don't, I don't know, have you ever, I, I don't, I'm not sure if he would even do them, but have you, have you ever reached out to Terry Austin possibly? Uh, I don't even know if he would do that sort of thing. I, I would, I, I remember trying to talk him into doing some more conventions, but it's just, I, I don't know, it just doesn't seem to be something that he really has much inclination to do. And it's too bad because you talk about someone that's got story after story after story that, um, it's literally an unending supply, you know. Yeah. I mean, he could write a book today, you know.
1: I don't. I don't know if you've uh, ever interacted with him, but one person that I have interacted with, you know, going to conventions, who I really enjoyed talking to, that I didn't know a whole lot about his background of work, but I was just fascinated by his stories. Uh, Alex Saviuk.
3: Oh yeah, I see him all the time.
1: <laughs> that dude is a wealth of knowledge and stories and <laughs> anecdotes. That if you, I know, I know you've met him and talked to him, Daryl. But if anybody out there has ever uh, heard of him or seen him at a convention, just talk to him and just let him talk. It's it's the best.
3: <laughs> I mean, most most seniors in the industry they they they've got so many stories. But I mean, but with Terry, it, it tends to be I I all I, I mean I've known him for years. You know, well over a decade. But to this day I you know I'll mention something and he'll tell me something that, that to him it's just information just something that happened but it, it's things that if I'm standing up I'm sitting down like what you know like you know let's say I'll, I'll bring up you know his cause to me he's always the, the guy that worked with Chris Claremont and John Byrne on X-Men you know and it'll be something I may bring up about that and then he'll tell me yet something else about that era of comics and I'll be like what people need to know that you know but <laughs> At one point, I think I was going to write them down, but you know, after the hundredth time, like I'm not going to remember all this stuff. He's just going to have to do a book or something, you know. It's like, oh, you mean that's what happened? I mean, I mean, the, 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 he knows the story behind the story behind the story type of thing, and just so many things about, uh, you know, just industry things. I mean, I'll give you an example, something simple. When I was a kid, I couldn't afford it, but there was a a Superman versus Spider-Man Marvel DC crossover you know in the spirit of speaking of Marvel DC crossover and i remember uh, i forget how what the cover price was whatever whatever it was i didn't have that much money it could have been a dollar but i uh, the comics were like a quarter when i was a kid but anyway um uh, come to find out terry did some backgrounds in that now i didn't know that it was I, I think because he was just an assistant who was uncredited and he would he would go on to, this, to describe the, the pages that he worked on and the reason he can describe because he's got the he had them there in front of him I'm like, you have the original Spider-Man versus Superman Marvel DC crossover original pages that you worked on. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, w- w- I don't know about you, but you know, you talk about that was that was the that's how it started. That was the first Marvel DC crossover, you know, and, and what a crossover it was. And no, no,
0: I know I have thinking, that book. This
3: guy, this guy has these pages. You know, it's like wow. Um, you know, he's he's done it to me again. I mean, that happened when he would he told he when he told me he had uh, uh, the days of future past cover
0: Ooh.
3: stuff like that. You know, you're walking around and you're on your phone, and then he tells you that like, I need to sit out. <laughs> you have that original cover.
1: You know? <laughs> Do you still have any pages from uh, unholy alliances?
3: No, no. Okay. I uh, that's you know a lot of that cool stuff. it, it, it went between conventions and eBay. You know over ten years ago I, I wish now, however, I just sold the cover uh what was it hmm, last year because all this time i, I remember coming across it in a in a in a in a closet I had a these big pieces of cardboard I thought it was a photocopy because it was so big. I said, well, why did I make a big copy of it? Well, come to find out it was the original, and when I think about it as, as if you look at, at it. It wraps around. It's like a double, like a cover, like the inner image wraps around. Right, right. But it's not. It's not just like two covers. It was. I forget how it was, but it, it was just an odd size, and because of that, I thought it was a copy until, uh, I think I was cleaning up and I, I yeah, I ran my hand across. And I'm like, wait a second, this is the original cover. <laughs> like I, I thought all my good stuff was gone. You know? <laughs> and I, you know, I think I posted on on uh, on uh, Facebook or something like that. and and uh, a guy I know by the name of uh, Michael White, he goes by the name of Off White. He he bought it immediately. <laughs> he was like, is that for sale? And I'm like, well, you know, I'd need a significant amount to to part with it. And and he he met and exceeded my asking price. and <laughs> that's the <way> it went. <laughs> and fortunately for him, I know that it's you know he's going to keep it. I mean, it, obviously he's got the right to sell it, but he he actually collects artwork. You know, yeah. he, he and Mike McCone are good friends, and you know he he combs the the, the convention verse mm. with him so i i know it's in good hands
1: you know? yeah i i like i like art art collectors that do that yeah, i don't i can't stand the ones that just buy up pages and snap them up on ebay and stuff because like the only piece of original artwork i have is from uh, rodney ramos uh from one of the final issues of the the green lantern series with kyle rayner and it's uh it's a picture I don't I don't know um, if you were reading the the end of the Kyle Rayner run but uh, towards the end Kyle visits his mother uh, and you know he like helps her clean the dishes with like a construct of a French maid and there's this really cool splash of him giving his mother a like, kind of a half page splash of him giving his mother a hug okay. yeah and I, I I snapped that original art up because it kind of it, it was it was between that and another page and I, for whatever reason I was looking at this one and it, it just it reminded me of my mom and out and oh. My my mom's my mom's awesome and she's still around and everything, but she moved to Oregon. But um, it was like I, I'm not very vocal with my parents. You know, they know I love them and everything. But I'm not, re- you know, when they ask, you know, I'm still in that. I'm still in that. You know, they ask, what's going on in your life? You know, ah, eh, nothing. <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing. And my mom is always okay. trying to get it out of me, and it just reminded me of my mom. And I was like, I, I gotta have it. I got I got some sort of attachment to this one, so I still have it. I have no intention of ever selling it. So. Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: I'm I, I'm glad I'm glad you got people like that out there who are snapping up your artwork for the same reason. Who are no intent to sell it. They're like, this is this is awesome. This well, is mine.
3: The thing is, I don't have a problem with anyone turning around the artwork they bought for me. The only time I've ever, you know, raised an eyebrow is uh, when I do when I do conventions. I do a quick uh, head profile sketch just to give away. Uh-huh. You know, and when I see those on eBay, I'm like, you know, they're selling something they got for me for free. You know, and of course, I'm thinking, well, who would buy that? Because all that person has to do is see me at a convention, and they can get it for free, no shipping charges, nothing like that. You know, uh, that kind of bugs me. But it, when it comes to artwork, either former commissions or or original pages, I, I, it doesn't bug me that they're that they resell. You know, it, yeah. it doesn't. It's just with uh, with this Green light and Silver Surfer cover, but what it what it meant to me. I I, it, I like the fact that it's in the hands of someone that really. Appreciates. It. Yeah. Like I said, he's free to, to to resell if he if he chooses. But I don't think he would. but yeah. When I see him to this day, it's like if you make any other you know <laughs> great discoveries like <laughs> that when you're cleaning up or something like that, let me know. You know. But uh, awesome. Not that I can think of.
1: Well, bef- before before we let me before we let you go and uh, close out the episode, or Skype cuts us off, <laughs> <laughs> do you, do, you, do you have any uh, uh, you know upcoming appearances that you want to promote or anything before we before we close out or you know let people know how to get a hold of you if they want to purchase uh, commissions or anything like that?
0: Well,
3: I can be reached uh, very easily on uh, ComicArtFans.com. we have got my uh, a link to my email there. Uh, as far as conventions. Um, wow, I I do so many now. I used to do two, now I feel like I do 15. Uh, But one thing I wanted to promote is uh, the company that I'm working with now, uh, Van Breed Studios out of Denton, Texas. They're an up-and-coming independent, and uh, I worked on uh, a character that that they have. His name is Big Zeke, and uh, you may have seen some of that on my Twitter and my Facebook. And uh, they also have a a kid's book called We Rose, and uh, they're really planning some big things, and I did a... uh, a cover, uh, that you can also see on my page. And so I guess I really want to, you know, help promote them because uh, they're, I mean, a great bunch. I mean, I say bunch, really, it's a husband and wife team. Uh, matter of fact, uh, they were in town and uh, they took uh, my wife and daughter out to, uh, and myself out, uh, out to eat for, for lunch. And uh, we will. Uh, uh, the the founder's name is Alan Cordry, by the way and uh he and i will also be uh we'll be back in texas cuz we were in texas recently uh first weekend in uh in december we'll be in dallas but it's uh, a couple of stores something to help promote some of the projects things like that nature and we'll be accompanied by some former dallas cowboys so hopefully that will uh... you know help uh with the turnout you know <laughs> so uh I definitely want to put that out there because uh, they're, they're a great up-and-coming company and I, I expect great things from
1: them. Absolutely. And since, since they're based out of uh, Texas, does that mean you're going to be coming to Austin anytime soon? Or thereabouts?
3: <laughs> I'm not sure. They, they, it's, it's more like they, they line up the tours and they, they say, well, can you can you work this in the schedule? And, you know, yay or nay, and, and I'm there. So um, uh, next month will be my second time in Texas because of them. So um, who knows... Uh, you know, what's next. They plan on it as far as the promotion. For example, I guess, spoiler alert, I'll be making my C2E2 debut next year. Wow. uh, Because we really want to promote Rose at C2E2. So we'll have a table, uh, Van Breed will have a table, which I'll be accompanying them. So, you know, if if there's an Austin show that's on their list of uh, venues to help promote their their projects, I would say it's highly likely you'll see me.
1: Probably the San Antonio Comic Con. Uh, Dallas is like three hours away, so <laughs> that's not gonna work. But yeah, but but yeah, yeah, I, I would imagine so. There's so many different. Texas has been growing a lot of cons lately. They've been popping up all over the place lately, and they get big turnouts, even for the first the first one. So okay. So yeah, for sure. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on, Daryl. This was a lot of fun. I mean, I, I like I like the more free phone, <laughs> the the free form.
0: <laughs> Free poem, right? God,
1: what did I say?
2: We
0: know what you meant, Chad. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thank
2: you very much, Darrell. It's been great. It's really great having you back on. Great having you on uh-huh. for the first time since when I'm actually
0: on,
3: finally. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy it. I enjoy it all the time. I'm talking about stuff that means a lot to me, and uh, and uh, it's, it's always good to feel that others have that same enthusiasm that I do.
1: Awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time, Daryl. Uh, and uh, we look we look forward to seeing your uh, your work with uh, with your Denton team, man, for sure.
3: All right, all right. Thanks again, guys. And, uh, we'll hope try. to talk, we'll to, talk you to you very same. soon, Darryl. Yes,
1: talk to you soon, right, thanks
3: sir. Thanks again. Okay, take care. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye. So that was Daryl Banks.
2: Very nice. Very impressive as always.
1: As always, I I totally spaced. I, that, that is your first time talking to him, huh?
2: Yeah that's why I was nervous in the beginning I tried to I I tried to rain I tried to, try not to be any different than I normally am but you know I did feel I felt more I did feel subconsciously anyway a little more or maybe not subconsciously if I'm aware of it it's not subconscious but I certainly I was consciously aware of the fact that I felt a little more pressure in doing the but he's so easy to talk to it didn't make it it didn't yeah. last for long plus I'm glad he kind of interjects along the way which
0: which helped
1: yeah absolutely yeah, it's totally spaced that y- you hadn't talked to him before. Just just the amount of times that we've mentioned him and talked about his artwork and actually talked with him on Facebook and on our Facebook page and stuff like that. I guess I kind of I know, assumed that it had already happened, but yeah, totally
2: spaced. I know I've been. I mean, he and I have been he and I have been emailing probably for like on a regular basis, probably for close to at least. I think I think for four years now because I think I have commissions from him for the last four for the last. Four, for at least, I think for at least four years so far. Wow. so yeah, he and I've been he, he and I and been talking via Facebook and email for probably like four years. So yeah, this is the first time we've ever actually talked on the phone. So,
3: well, not, nice, not bad, not bad at all.
2: It was a good episode. Yeah, a lot
1: of fun. We we kind of deviated off track, but when you got a creator on the line, you gotta you gotta go where the conversation takes you.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was good. We got some good stuff
1: for sure. For sure.
2: That's why. That's why I asked him about the Parallax Cape thing because I knew he responded. I knew he had replied to that yeah. at one point because when we had raised, when we had mentioned that I think during the Emerald Twilight coverage, about how they added the cape and how it, you know that was a much that's here you know how that's iconic Parallax without the cape. I don't think he, he would have ever looked as cool. And even, I remember he he said to me that oh that. You know, whenever you're ready for the story about like uh, how we got, you know, how Parallax got his cape, just let me know. <laughs> so I figured, well, we kind of had a natural segue, so let me ask.
1: <laughs> oh man, well, uh, no feedback this time around. Uh, we don't have any more emails, <laughs> so. No, we've been
2: dry. We've been drying up. We we need you guys to help us out here. You need you need to
0: pump us off. Did you really
1: just do the clap?
0: Yeah. Did you point
1: at your computer screen? Yes. Bad boss. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you got to do it.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. you got to commit. you got to fully commit. Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, okay, guys. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you guys down the road. Mark, you want to let them know how to contact us?
2: Sure. You can email us, lanterncast at gmail.com, lanterncast at gmail.com. You can visit our webcast, which is lanterncast.com. I know. It's a shocker. But, yes, that's what it is, <laughs> lanterncast.com. You can visit our see our products of the week our ring cyclopedia episodes movie reviews blogs our new episodes are posted there they're also available on stitcher and itunes and if you like us there please leave a feel free to leave us a positive review anywhere and everywhere uh last but not least if you would like to leave us a voicemail you can call us at 708 lantern
1: 708 lantern and let us know what you think Alright guys. Uh next time around uh we're not telling you. <laughs> so we'll just talk to you guys at, a, at another date, uh about a week from now. So you guys In another time. <laughs> That's right. Alright guys, we'll All talk right. to you later. Bye everybody. Bye.